We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. There could be a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses, and you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure. You were wrong when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA. What up, my people? KJ Podcast, Monday morning, San Francisco, California, Chinatown to be specific, 53 degrees inside my apartment. I hope everyone had a lovely weekend, Christmas music in the air. I went to a nice little pop-up bar in North Beach called Deck the Halls. Not even a, I'm more of a Grinch, honestly, like I don't even care about the holidays, but hey. San Francisco 49ers fans have a lot to be happy about right now. A gift comes under the tree in October. 49ers fans get to open the gift early here on December 3rd. It's Jimmy Garoppolo, and it's an A-plus debut against the Chicago Bears. Just a 15-14 win. I don't care about the final score. I care about what I saw with my eyes, and I saw just so many good things. Let's tee it up here. We're going to do 11 of my favorite things I saw from Jimmy Garoppolo. A couple things I didn't like. Long-term ramifications. And then we got to talk defense a little bit too because I think they're overperforming. I think this is a really good scheme they're playing. But I had never watched a 49ers game where I was on the edge of my seat anticipating every play from Jimmy Garoppolo. I want to start here before we get into my 11 things. 
This is the best analogy I can make. Jimmy Garoppolo's career is going to be a movie. This was the opening scene of that movie. And you are glued and get your popcorn ready. That was a real good first start, you know, um, you know handled the offense well, um, definitely moved the chains and moved the ball well for us. All right, my analogy, Jimmy G's career is a movie. Yesterday against the Bears was the opening scene. He has a director in Kyle Shanahan who's nearly won an Oscar and who's done a lot of great things in his career with star actors, star quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo, the opening scene of his career was brilliant. It glued everyone. Get your popcorn ready. You can see this movie being wildly successful. You can see it. It's one scene, and there's going to be twists and turns and characters added, and some of them may hurt the movie, and some of them could make this movie reminiscent of a Steve Young movie, of a Joe Montana movie. The movie started yesterday with Jimmy Garoppolo, and you can tell that he could be a star right away. I didn't think he was going to be this good. I thought we were going to have delay of game penalties, and him throwing a couple interceptions and getting hit a lot more than he did. What we saw outside of the red zone was nearly flawless. And the easiest way to do this thing is let's get our countdown going. Top 11 things I liked about Jimmy Garoppolo's start against Chicago. Nearly 300 yards passing with limited weapons and a limited playbook. Marquise Goodwin had a career day. Trent Taylor had a career day. This was a section of the playbook that Kyle Shanahan installed. Imagine when Jimmy Garoppolo knows the full playbook. Imagine when it's more than Marquise Goodwin and Trent Taylor. No disrespect to those guys. But they were having a field day. And this was the first ever start. Accuracy is what's next. The result was great. That's what we're talking about in one. The accuracy is what you're going to expect to see week in and week out. It was threading the needle. It was connecting to guys on the run. Kyle Shanahan will tell you, more than smarts, more than athletic ability, the number one thing in his offense is accuracy. If he can trust that you're going to place the ball where it needs to be placed, these are the obvious things to like about him. And again, the most impressive play to me was the George Kittle almost catch near halftime. How he got that ball above all those defenders on the run. And let's think about this too. Jimmy G was planted on his back foot on some of these very accurate throws. He does not need a fully clean pocket to execute. And that's why his accuracy to me is impressive. It just it was all over the field. He's throwing darts, dimes. There's cool adjectives you can use with the way he throws a football. Sustaining long drives. I mean, third down was his money down. 10 of 18, the most third down conversions the 49ers have had since 2007. Third down is fun now. Third and long is what is Jimmy G going to be able to come up with out of his hat Obviously, the big play to Trent Taylor. We played that clip earlier. You know, the play calling was good. And Jimmy G was able 
nothing too elaborate either, nothing down the field. A bunch of just intermediate strikes to sustain long drives. 38 minutes time of possession. And it was not running the football. Normally when you have that much time of possession, you dominated on the ground. It was through the air. This became Jimmy G's football team right away. And they just they stayed on the field so long. And that played into the defense playing well. They were not on the field long. They were fresh. They were not even used to that probably, being on the sidelines for that long. I didn't expect that at all in his third ever start to be sustaining long drives. I thought he'd score more touchdowns, to be honest. But to me, this is as encouraging when you're going and trusting your arm on third down like that. Jimmy G stands so tall in the pocket. I believe he's 6'3", 6'4". I mean, he feels bigger than that. His shoulders are square. There's people diving at his legs. He's not uncomfortable. His eyes are in the right position. You have to be able to win from within the pocket. And I I thought we'd see some more rust there. But his pocket presence, and you saw that a little bit against Seattle, so it wasn't surprising. But knowing when to get out and the escapability, uh, his pocket presence was obviously something to like. Calm confidence. There's a lot of different ways to be confident. He's Jimmy G might be a rah-rah guy when he really settles into this role. But there was a reason Carlos Hyde called him Tom Brady Jr. It was nothing really rattled him. He was very relaxed almost. And he Jimmy G said he had butterflies beforehand, that he gets butterflies before every game. But it was a calming presence with him back there because plays just kept being executed. You weren't going to worry about what's going to happen because Jimmy G is going to make something happen. And when he has calm confidence, other players are playing with confidence. I said it last week on the pod. I think part of the reason the O-line played well they wanted to protect Jimmy G, but I think he gave them confidence that he was going to be able to make plays and not hold on to the football long. I think that's a team-wide thing. He's an inherent leader, not in what he says, but how confidently he performs. Maybe this is one you didn't notice as much. Jimmy G absorbs hits well. He knows when he's about to get sacked and he kind of turns his shoulder or he's able to just protect himself so far. Unlike C.J. Beathard, who I felt was trying to be a tough guy almost and taking hard hits, Jimmy G kind of knows how to put his body in a shell when he knows he's getting sacked. I mean, my favorite throw of the game was a third down crossing pattern, third quarter to Trent Taylor. Pressure right in Jimmy G's face. He got rid of it. He didn't really take that hard of a hit. We had to see the all 22 of it, but he wasn't on the ground and it was just kind of a push. He, he knows when to get rid of the ball and when not to. I mean, he wasn't even throwing many footballs away yesterday. Let's think of that. I wonder how many plays were put in. There's got to be close to a thousand plays in Shanahan's playbook. They probably had somewhere close to, you know, 60 to 70 just in case, maybe even less because they call the same plays out of just different formations. So I love that he was able to absorb hits. Kind of going on a little tangent here, but let's keep moving. Rolling to his left. And I'll tell you why this is important, because it's going to open up play action so more. 
you saw early in the game, Jimmy G rolled to his left, found Kyle Hughes check out there for a nice little chunk up the field. Not many quarterbacks are comfortable moving to their left where it looks flawless and natural for Jimmy G moving to his left. So now you're going to be able to play action a lot more to both sides, and that's going to make linebackers freeze. And once they get this running game corrected, um, that's going to be lethal. Keeping there, all of this came without a running game. You told me Jimmy G looked great and the 49ers won. I would have said, okay, Carlos Hyde also had 85 yards. Matt Breida had a nice burst for 35 that opened up a drive. You got none of that, really. It was a brick wall most of the day. Chicago, not a bad defensive front at all. They really stopped the running lanes. And somehow, Jimmy G still able to complete 26 passes, throwing 37 times in a low-scoring game. And I don't want to call him a game manager, but he just essentially just managed the game. He was just throwing darts, Selleck over the field. I mean, whoever it was, a lot of the middle of the field throws, which I like because it shows Jimmy G's not phased by zone coverage as much. I know they play a lot of man there, but right away without a running game saying, okay, it's third and four. We're going to throw here. A lot of shotgun throws. You look at a lot of Trent Taylor's catches, a lot of just short little slants, all out of the Patriots out of the shotgun. I, I really like that without a running game. Play action, nine of nine. I'll be the first to admit I was wrong. I was saying Thursday, hey, Jimmy G hasn't done this that much. He wasn't very good in New England at play action. His passer rating was low. Maybe for his first start, let's not turn his back to the defense. That could trip him up. Um, completely wrong on that. Nine of nine, dictating the tempo off of play action. That's possibly what's most encouraging, is that you're going to have a shotgun play action system here where you can bounce back and forth between the two. You're going to be able to go jumbo play action and throw off of it, and then the next play go shotgun five wide receivers. You have to have a special quarterback who's able to manipulate a defense like that, and Jimmy G showed signs of that. Again, first scene of the movie, an opening scene. It's caught our attention. He's going to have to prove it, but I did not expect 9 of 9 on play action. Finding the right guy every time. Limited playbook. This is unreal. Anyone who is not impressed, there's going to be people who are saying 49ers fans are drinking the Kool-Aid too much. They're going to look at the box score. They didn't see the entire game. Jimmy Garoppolo was the best player on the field by far in that game. His third ever time playing in the NFL. He's essentially a rookie. You can talk about Tom Brady and he was behind the greatest team of all time. We've seen failures off of that. I mean, he's essentially a rookie seeing things for the first time and still going out and executing at a high level. This was his career best game. It was better than Arizona just for the simple fact that he had a game-winning drive here. It was a close game. We know who's around him. Goodwin, Taylor. These are unproven players, essentially, in the NFL. I think there's going to be some struggles along the way here. I think Kyle should try and put more on Jimmy G's plate with the game plan just to see how he handles it. You obviously want him to succeed, but, I mean, he was in total control of the offense. It was like he was driving a sleigh and... He had his horses in front of him, and he was pulling all the strings. 
and nothing looked confusing to him. So I, I think you can open up the offense even more. He's a rookie, but not your traditional rookie. But again, it's three ever NFL games. That's, I mean, that's insane. He, he's going to struggle at some point, and if he doesn't, Clearly, we're going to get into that in the long-term ramifications. It's time to put some pen and paper. <music> Lastly, in this little segment here, this quick countdown, I saw the Tony Romo comparisons. I really did. Shoulders very square, escapability in the pocket, throwing darts, trusting your arm, and triple coverage there, still making the play. We'll see a lot more of these traits play out. But the Tony Romo comparison seems to be spot on to me early in this sample size. Hope you guys are liking these sound effects I'm adding. I mean, I just want to tell you, I was on the edge of my seat watching this game. And I think the rest of the season will be that way. And there's a debate to get into. Shouldn't the 49ers pick number two and trade down? Because they can say, hey, we just got our quarterback, our team changed. Denver, you need a quarterback so badly. Jacksonville, you got to trade up here. you got to give us a 2019 first-round pick. There's an argument that that would help the 49ers more, but I think this, if Jimmy G beats the Texans next week and wins the following week after that, you're building something special. Free agents are going to want to come here. The momentum in the building will completely flip. He's building confidence for Trent Taylor. He's building confidence for other people. You're starting to stack the bricks, as John Lynch is saying in this building, um, and you're solving question marks year one during a you know a four and twelve, five and eleven season. I get the draft picks out of the coin, but I, I'm going to stick here with this. Jimmy Garoppolo, him winning games with the 49ers is beneficial to the long term stability of this franchise. Obviously, a couple things not to like. No touchdowns, the red zone there. They're going to have to, I'd say, spend maybe an entire practice on late in the week. Maybe it's Friday. Instead of your typical whatever you do Friday, Kyle, you do red zone scrimmaging the entire time. Let's get better from the 20-yard line in. And the only way we're going to do that is find out which plays Jimmy G's comfortable with what his eyes are doing in those situations. It's not all on him. There were some stupid penalties. The running game wasn't going well. Chicago's not a good defense. You hate to not score a touchdown. You still won the game, though, and they they probably would have scored there to end the game. Wanted to set up a Robbie Gold field goal. So, um, yeah, the, the red zone, you got to clean that up. And kind of what I said earlier, I want to see them throw deep more, at least a couple times in the game. Kyle, there was probably opportunities there, and he didn't dial it up just because everything they were doing was working. But, I mean, Marquise Goodwin, we know he can fly. We'll love to see that down the field. Even a Victor Bolden Jr., why not? I think throwing deep should be more a part of the game plan against Houston. This, again, is a training camp practice setting for Jimmy Garoppolo to get better. So... You want to win games and do things that he's comfortable with, but you also want to see that arm strength and what you have to work with and who that could pair up well with on film when you're watching free agent receivers for other teams. Okay, Jimmy G made that throw. We don't have a guy that can do that, but Allen Robinson can do that. Sammy Watkins can do that. So, you know, pretend the talent around him is a little bit more, and he's elevating this talent. I keep harnessing this point. 
by the end of the season, Trent Taylor might go for 11 for 142 and two touchdowns in a game. This is not out of the question now. And if you have a fifth-round pick doing this with essentially a quarterback who's never really played in the NFL, um, yeah, this is vibing well. Throw out the record. Throw out any negative thoughts. Throw out any C-plus grades you're giving Jimmy Garoppolo because he's walking in here and making this a legitimate offense. Let's see the points on the scoreboard. Some throws deep, some red zone issues corrected, but good golly, Miss Molly. I was excited and hyped up this debut, and Jimmy Garoppolo exceeded our expectations. Again, one scene in the movie. It's going to have some bad scenes, I'm sure, but it leads us to the long-term ramifications, and now what happens? And if Jimmy G continues to play like this, it's, it's obvious. You don't franchise tag him. Reward him with a contract, maybe a little bit less than what a top five guy would make, but you want Jimmy G to succeed. And if you give him a one-year deal and he starts to play bad and there's pressure and negative headlines early in the year and some of the free agents you signed, it's not gelling as well. Now you're saying, oh, crap, are we going to franchise tag him again because it didn't go as well? I'm saying it's going to be almost impossible if he plays like he did against Chicago every game the rest of the season or majority of them. Even if there's a couple hiccups, you get Donnie on the phone, you promise, you know, 45, 50 million guaranteed, and you get the show on the road. You don't play the charade next year where it's prove it, because if he doesn't prove it, you're getting rid of him? You're going to blame him for stuff that wouldn't be his fault? And this team probably is a long shot to make the playoffs next year. There'll be excitement and buzz about it, but they're going to have to play a lot better consistently, and it's not going to all be on him. You guys know where I stand on this issue. It's going to be something we talk about all the time, but I think a lot of people tweeted it to me too, and I'm sure it's going to be leaking out to the networks here. Long-term contract in Jimmy G makes more sense than franchise tag just because you're risking the pressure cooker and he might not play well and he could leave in 2019, and then you're scratching your head and throwing a dart in the draft of someone who's an unproven commodity and you're scared about that. So... Long-term, Jimmy G gained contract leverage. I don't know if he's going to want to flacco the 49ers. They have the cap room to do that. Maybe he'll say, you know what, I will do a little bit. I'll take a hometown discount here because they believe in me and I want to make sure we're able to build a champion around me and I'll do the Tom Brady thing where I'm you know, a top 10 paid quarterback, top 15. There's a reason to believe if you come to the negotiating table early, there could be an agreement made where he's not a top five paid quarterback. And I think that would be so smart because we all see it. It jumps off the screen. It jumps off the film room. Jimmy Garoppolo, once he masters Kyle Shanahan's offense, and there's a bunch of new players in here who are skilled players, the sky's the limit. You're you're going to be able to compete with Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, if he's who I think he is and who a lot of people think Jimmy Garoppolo is. That brings us to the other long-term ramification, what we saw yesterday. Let's see it play out more. But I don't think this O-line is in bad a shape as so many people thought when you have a guy who understands football back there. And he's getting rid of the football quickly. And my neighbor above me keeps knocking on the door or something stupid. But Jimmy G has a pocket awareness that you still need to invest in O-line, but taking a top-five pick on an O-lineman or even a first-rounder I don't know if that's necessary. I think they're going to be able to figure out O-line 
And it's not as much of a priority as skill players. My goodness. There's just not enough home run hitters on here. And Kyle knows that. Kyle's done things with Julio Jones and Jordan Cameron in Cleveland and um, Jordan Reed he drafted with Washington. Obviously, Alfred Morris. I mean, those guys. some of those guys weren't top draft picks, but there needs to be an investment where Jimmy G has tools out in front of him. I'm not worried about his protection as much as I am, oh, this receiver just isn't a game breaker. They just couldn't score touchdowns in the red zone. They're just not as much playmakers. I need points on the scoreboard. And I think, you know, drafting an old lineman in the second round, getting a high priced one is more the play than drafting O-line early. I, I think you're going to be able to get some skill players in and make a higher investment. Again, though, we've seen Kyle with Trent Taylor in the, as a fifth rounder. To me, I'm, I'm getting skill players and surrounding them with Jimmy G. I'm making his job easy. But I, I I want speed, possession. I need high-flying playmakers. Tariq Cohen, they, they need someone who can touch the ball and score. They don't have that right now. And I don't even think Garcon is that. Ideally, he is your number two because he's one of the better number twos in the league. I don't know how they're going to find a number one. A lot of people have suggested Odell Beckham Jr. Who knows what a new regime in New York will do. He's got a contract coming up. He said he wants to be the highest paid player in the league. So... You're going to have to deal with that. But an Odell-Pierre combination is quite scary. You get another tight end in here with Kittle. And even if you do draft Barkley, um, Saquon from Penn State at the top of the draft, this offense could be octane, high octane, scoring 30 a week. And your defense, you might be able to just still fix and they don't have to be elite and you're still making the playoffs. Lot to digest there, lot to talk about going forward. Definitely wanted to address Grant Cohn since he pretty much let off his periscope talking about me. Dude, I like you. We had cool conversations and stuff like that. It's more that you are wildly inaccurate with some of the things you say. And just as we hold players and coaches accountable, I think if you're going to put your opinion out there and it's wrong and then you're going to blast more stuff, got to hold you accountable, bud. You know, you can you can ask me how I'm doing. I think I'm providing better coverage on my couch than you are in the locker room. But, you know, I don't want to start a beef with you, Grant. You unfollowed me. I'm still following you. Olive Branch out to you, Grant Cohn. I think you're good for Bay Area sports. I just got to, if your hot take's wrong, I, I'm not criticizing you personally. It's your opinion about football that I wanted to put out there. Hey, I predicted the team would go 6-10. and 10. I was wrong on that, too. No no Twitter beefs, no, yeah, I, I have nothing against Grant, but you put your opinion out there, you know, I, I want to hold people accountable, and I expect to be held accountable too on some of the wrong stuff I said. Twitter's fun. Twitter's fun as shit during the game. Um, yeah. So, everyone carry on. There's no, I've seen some tweets. Grant's a good guy. It's funny he called me a former journalist though, so, um no disrespect to you, bud. None at all. Just your opinion was wrong. The game-winning drive. If that didn't happen, I wouldn't give Jimmy G an A+. I'd go back to the tweet I had and say, eh, maybe A-. minus. He wasn't able to pull it off in the end. But he did on third down. That was his money down. Trent Taylor over the slot. That, that could be a position the 49ers have solved. This slot receiver. Trent Taylor building chemistry right now with Jimmy Garoppolo. 
I got to say, the people who said, don't play Jimmy G this season, keep him in bubble wrap, there's no point, look so foolish right now. Especially the ones who said, you know, he's going to get killed behind the offensive line. I said it last week on the pod. It's going to look and feel completely different because this guy has an innate ability to process information. He has the arm strength. Hey, it looked fantastic. Opening scene of the movie, I'm hooked. I would rent this on On Demand for $4.99, not even a free one. I, I might even buy it for $13.99 blindly. The Jimmy Garoppolo movie, Kyle Shanahan's directing. Got to get him a supporting cast. Those characters haven't been revealed in the movie yet. You're going to have Pierre. You're going to have Joe Staley. You're going to need some young skill players. But of course you trust John Lynch and Kyle to do that. They got Jimmy G in the middle of the season. They gutted the roster. They're not afraid to move on from Navarro Bowman. Rashard Robinson was not performing to their level. They traded him immediately. This team will make moves. And I think trading some of their draft capital is not out of the question for more proven assets. Jimmy G, a proven asset. If he entered the draft, even before the Chicago game, if he was with Rosen, Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Saquon Barkley, and we just had the two games with the Patriots sample size, I think he goes number one overall. I think the 49ers got themselves a quarterback who the rest of the league is in consensus with can be top 10, and who knows, maybe in five years, possibly top five when you get some of these older quarterbacks out. I'm gushing. I'm, let's try and temper expectations as much as we can, but I got to be honest. I'm, I'm disappointed I'm not covering this team and they're in the building every day because it's about to be exciting as shit. This is going to be a team on a come up next year. I mean, I think Hard Knocks is a slam dunk. Everyone's obsessed with the 49ers nationally. Kyle and John have been so transparent. Um, my prediction is you will see the 49ers on hard knocks next season. And Jimmy G, everyone's going to be rooting for him. He's such a likable guy. Um, and to the Bethard truthers out there, and hey, we can be wrong on opinions. That's the lesson today. And I might be wrong on Jimmy G becoming a franchise guy here. Own your opinions, and it's okay. It's just football. Let's move on. We're going to record another pod on Thursday. I'm going to start getting guests. Who do you want as a guest? I'm trying to reach out to Brian Baldinger. I think his film breakdowns have been outstanding. We'll love to see what he has. Um, Shout out to the Niners faithful, man. You guys have been outstanding. Most listened to podcasts in November. Let's keep it going. Honestly, I could talk Warriors. I covered them too. Love Draymond. Clay's my guy. It was very fun being up close and personal with that team, but um, we're delivering you football takes here on content that matters. The Warriors are going to a championship. We know that. Um, So documenting the trials and tribulations of the 49ers has been awesome this season. Absolutely loving it. Um, Tweet me thoughts on this podcast. I want to hear what you, when I post this link, it sucks when it's, you know, just two retweets and five likes. Show me some love, you know, tweet me your thoughts, what you think. Let's keep this discussion rolling all week. The 49ers are fun to talk about now. This is an upcoming team in the NFL that probably has their franchise quarterback, that has a coach that's well-respected, a GM that's well-respected, a defensive scheme. Wow, I didn't even get to the defense. Real quick, Robert Sala, limited tools. Saying against Seattle in that first half, the only points he allowed were off the interception. One touchdown against... Shitty Chicago Bears, I get it, but 
Um, I like the scheme a lot. Colbert was back there. There's no big plays deep at free safety. Ruben Foster flying around. I'm critical of Solomon Thomas, guys. I am. Finish a play, bud. Getting in the backfield, and it's it's nice. It's a good ability to have. you got to finish plays. I'm going to continue to be hard on him because he's a top three pick. A couple of you guys saw on Twitter. I don't know how this team evaluates secondary. I think that's the one criticism of John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. Rashard Robinson earlier this season, they didn't draft Marshawn Lattimore or Malik Hooker. Jimmy Ward should have been playing corner probably the whole year. Eric Reed, they moved to linebacker. He had a great tackle for a loss. Has looked good at safety too. I know Tarts look good there too, but yeah, if there's a criticism of the 49ers this season, I think it's been their evaluation of secondary. So just keep your eye on that, how that plays out. But kudos to Salah before we hang up on this pod. Um, limited stuff. DeForest Buckner's kind of had a quieter second half of the season. That's been a little disappointing. Let's get him going against the Texans. Elvis Dumerville should not be leading this team in sacks with five and a half. Having a great year for a 33-year-old. I was a little critical of that signing when it happened because I thought it would take away snaps from younger guys, but almost need to. Let's see Cassius Marsh out there. That was a nice strip sack coming around the edge. I've tweeted it. He looks more athletic than any of the other rushers. I have to go back and watch the film. I don't know if he's just playing Leo or they're putting him at Sam too, but the Eli Harold experiment feels like you're kind of wasting snaps on him at this point. He just he, he's not a playmaker. He he just it's not enough with him. Um, it would be weird to draft defensive end again in the top five. You can't rule it out though because this team can't get a quarterback to the ground. The pressure is there from time to time. Trubisky did absolutely nothing. Defense played well, but I, I got to have more pressure. I, I got to say, though, I thought the defense would be a lot worse this season with Robert Sala's first year. There's only been about three or four games where they've been awful. They've been competitive in nearly everything. And you can pin blame on a lot of areas in the 49ers. The defense really hasn't been bad, especially considering last year, especially considering this is the fourth scheme change in a row. I mean, that is taxing. That's really hard. That's that's challenging as hell. So, anyways, the Giants are two and ten. The 49ers are two and ten. The Giants are having a firing press conference right now and putting Eli Manning back at quarterback. Their Cleveland Browns are probably going 0 16. Denver Broncos are in shambles. Is Vance Joseph going to be a one and done? Probably not, but he's on the hot seat heading into next season if he can't win. There are a lot of teams around the NFL in a not-good situation. Even the Washington Redskins are about to go 7-9 and have to figure out what to do with Kirk Cousins. The 49ers are not in a bad position. It's fun to talk about this football team. We're going to continue talking about this football team. KJ Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the sound effects. Talk to you again Wednesday or Thursday. Probably Thursday. Peace. radio spot is the Labor Day BRFS 15 second radio spot. This key code GAPO7128000. This is a 15 second radio spot stereo monocompatible. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99, polos from $14.99. It's insane! Grab your friends, Banana Republic Factory. See you there! 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.